welcome to Movie of the Year, the only podcast that has the science and the screaming to unequivocally figure out what the best movie is of any given year. This season, we're digging into 1975, and this week, for you, your very own special bonus show, we are swimming through the shit with Sallow, or 120 Days of Sodom if you're nasty. I'm your host, Mike, and I will try to hold your hands through this with me is uh, I, I brought the two fucking sickest people I know from the haunted, sick, twisted minds of Unnatural 20s and Movie of the Year. We have Ryan. Um, I don't think that you're kidding or lying. I actually do believe that you believe that we are the two sw- sickest people you know. Um, it says here, Mike, that you want me to say in the beginning, um, I didn't understand this movie because I didn't see the first solo or the hundred first 119 days. Of Sodom, did you want me to say that now or save that for later? I think you. There's a typo, and I wish you had just done the numbers. You could say it later and say it right. Okay, or I'll, I'll say it later it. and say it right. I now have a lot of ideas as a host what to do to my panelists <laughs> when they fuck up because I watch this movie. Greg refused to even hear that this movie exists, so he is not on this movie of the year, and all of our other guests also. So I was like, "Who's the second grossest person I know?" You know her. You loathe her. It's books. Yeah, I can't say I'm glad to be here, um, but I am proudly claiming my new title. It's going on my resume. Can I inscribe a trophy on my shelf? Second grossest person, Mike knows, which not something I feel like most people would be proud of, but I'm here. I'm claiming it. I'm a little concerned with Mike's tone to start the show. He seems like very podcast hosty. This is totally fine. This is a normal episode about a normal movie. Did you want me to be like, listeners oh uh tw cw none of this has to do with the cw or twitter but trigger warnings and content warnings sallow talks about and by talks about i mean shows pretty viscerally uh torture rape all kinds of sexual assault eating poops uh sniffing poops uh so you know, yeah just all things considered fondling. The, the sniffing of poops was not that bad <laughs> now mckenna uh, you're in the process of planning for a wedding did you get any ideas for either the reception or the what do you call it a ceremony wedding the ceremony uh, uh, from this movie a lot because there are repeated weddings throughout mm-hmm. and um i think the strongest takeaway is now nick is no longer wearing a suit he's going to be wearing a more matronly mother of the bride mm-hmm. costume pearl yeah. necklace big hat mm-hmm. oh i think yeah. he's gonna look amazing see that that one was okay but the Young Justin Bieber in the black wedding dress. I thought he fucking rocked that shit. You're right. I just I don't know if and maybe I feel Nick like could, Dick could pull off the old lady look better. I don't know what that says yeah, about my fiance, he, but he's not. He's no longer a young heartthrob. Mm-hmm. He's more in that matron. Yeah, and that's okay. We all get there eventually. What before <laughs> this week? <laughs> it's so like look. The energy's extra kicked up. I'm not letting us just be like. Ugh. No, I fully expect. So that, we watched it. <laughs> I fully expect that before you answer any or ask any question, there will be five high pitched words that don't start the question. <laughs> <laughs> this is a normal Why? fun goofy show. Uh, we'll start with you, Mac. W- what was your knowledge of this film before you watched it? Did you have any? Had you seen this a bunch? Was this your family it's used to gather around every movie. Christmas? Uh, Christmas time, every holiday. <laughs> Grandma used to put it on. Uh, no, I had never heard of this movie. Never seen it. Never had any inclination that it existed. I'm not like a film person. I haven't seen a lot of like the greats, you know, the ones you have to see before you die or whatever. You uh, have now. Have. <laughs> have made it on that list officially, but... Uh, 
the only knowledge I had was uh, Ryan made the effort. A few in the group who guessed on movie of the year said I could handle this, but Ryan made the effort to reach out to me individually in text said, no pressure. You do not have to watch this movie. And that gave me a lot of insight into how bad it was going to be, but I still agreed. So that was in the beginning of the summer. Uh, Mac and I had like a, I don't know, like a, we were comparing all the awful shit that we had watched, either through college or throughout or without college, mm-hmm. and just we realized that we were two. We've seen between the two of us, we've seen some disgusting fucking shit. Um, whether that's on purpose, like Solo and Human Centipede, or like Shoa, or you know, just seeing the atrocities of man. You walk into your creepy neighbor's house and faces of death is on, and you that's when you realize he's a meth dealer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you look and he's on the TV while you are watching it. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to get to know this guy. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Besides, and there's that. And then there's also like, she barely has like a conscience, you know? Conscious? Yeah. Conscience? Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. There's. there's so she was. She, she seemed like but, it was me and her that should be on the yes. show with you. The movie that your family is broad enough. That that we had options, and then when we thought about this movie, and who we, it's either uh, they'll say no, or we didn't want to change who they are at their core. Only McKenna uh, is disturbed and soulless enough to be on this film. Uh, and Ryan, you just like movies. You're you're just like an art buff, so of course you had to be on this one. Yeah. Um, what was your experience with Sallow before this? Uh, I. <laughs> I I knew the legend, right? I knew that there's a reason that I hadn't seen it. I knew that there was a the reason. Legend of Sleepy Sallow. The most people had not seen it, which is because they're just not as cool as we are. Um, there's a lot that, and there's a lot about this movie that surpassed my imagination, though. Um, usually, it's like, well, your imagination is way worse than whatever you see on the screen, mm-hmm. and I don't think that's true this time. How much? And that you, you, either of you can answer this. Both of you should answer this. How much? Uh, What's the grossest thing you've seen before this week? Be two weeks ago, somebody's like, "Hey, what's the worst? Not worst movie. What's like the most disturbing, grossest movie you've seen?" Does that have to be movies? Because last time I saw you, you were wearing sandals with jeans. That's hey, I'm from Cali, baby. Yeah. Okay. No, Cali means avocado on it, and for some reason, you did have your your feet were covered in avocado. Because it's Cali, baby, and there's fries between my toes. You walked up to everybody just saying Cali, baby. It's Cali, baby. baby. Um, I would say but Cannibal Holocaust. Is that in either of your oeuvres? No, I would say it's the um, it's the act of killing and the uh, what's like what's the director? What's the documentarian's name? Um, the sequel to the act of killing and the sequel to the act of killing. The uh, about the which is a documentary, as you just said, documentary. So different. Like I want to get that out of the way because I think people are dumb. Uh, this is a film and is fake. These are actors. Uh, the and all and above it, age, I believe, right? All of age. It, yeah, they were all above age. Cross your fingers. Uh, as far as we know, as Hope far so. as all the research I've done, and that the director, not uh, like modern directors who make terrible movies, uh, it was light and fun. In between every scene, they were like pranking on each other and playing soccer. They call it football because they're weird Italians. Uh, like they were, they it was a light set because of how disturbing the. Uh, actual movie is they made sure that everybody was comfortable and checking in all the time. It's crazy. Like when you read about like the making of it, you're like, wow, where did this kind of uh, empathy go for directors? It reminds me of, I don't know if you guys ever heard about like world war one or world war two. One of those, have you guys ever heard of those wars? 
I'm familiar. Uh, Those are big wars, guys. Fucking look them up. Um, Christmas one night, there was they were just like time out, and then they all climbed out of the trenches and just hung out, got drunk, and played soccer, and then went back to war. That's what that what you just said, Mike. This, that's what this sounds like. Because yeah. basically, during the day, they were in war. A real wily e. coyote is friends with the dog when they're not <laughs> doing their jobs, kind of. And I love that. Uh, it. I guess. I guess we're gonna do it. I guess we're gonna do it. We're gonna, we're gonna take a break. Uh, binge and purge. Watch the binge. Watch the purge. And then dive into Sallow. Sallow, or 120 Days of Sodom, is a loose adaptation of the 1785 book, The 120 Days of Sodom, by the Marquis de Sade, set during World War II. And it was Pierre Paolo Pasolini's final film, released three weeks after his murder, because it's cursed. It's also inspired by Dante's Divine Comedy, the movies in four segments, The Antiferno, The Circle of Manias, The Circle of Shit, and of course, The Circle of Blood. Banned countries around the world and named the 65th scariest film ever made, Sallow is set in 1944-1945 and follows four wealthy, corrupt Italian libertines, the Duke, the Bishop, the President, and the Magistrate, as they kidnap 18 teenagers and subject them to four months of torture. With the help of a handful of young soldiers and middle-aged prostitutes, all while pontificating of the beauty of the sphincter and excrement, and trading Cliff's notes of Nietzsche, Proust, and Pound. Sal's reputation is such that in 2011, Roger Ebert said he had owned the film since its release on Laserdisc, which was about 20 years before that, but had not watched it, citing the film's transgressive reputation. So a guy whose job is to watch movies said, nope, I will own it, I will never watch it. Taste buds, I ask you this. What, if anything is Pasolina trying to say about us as viewers? I mean, we did knowingly watch this movie. Yeah, I I think that that is something that you have to reckon with. And that's weird, you know, and it's a little meta, but... At, at the, by the end of the movie, he's like, you disgusting fucker. The director is like, you piece of shit. You just watched my movie. And he's right. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the original book was took place in France or whatever in the 1700s, and this was made 30 years after it takes place. He could have chose any time. He decided, the, the war doesn't really, other than I think it's a time of chaos and any brute could like create a fiefdom where they could do this kind of shit. It doesn't really comment on World War II. It really is on human nature in general. That uh, ending scene where they're like dancing too, it just feels so poignant to you piece of shit like here you are still living your life you're mm-hmm. consuming you know this well yeah what? we're we're viewers of the movie and then i think that he's also commenting so i think that maybe he's sort of comparing us to the people who the good germans quote-unquote who or the good italian italians, italians. quote-unquote who sat around and watched fascism happen um you know like that's that's a lot of people in this movie that are just watching this torture happen but it's also us and how do we reckon with that? And, I mean, there, there's definitely some of the uh, Stanford prison experiment going on because by the end of it, some of the guards, at least one of the guards, original, like, Italian fascist guards has died, and one of the slave kids is now one of the guards, and then the kids are all ratting on each other. Well, how to, fucking because, awesome is it to be a guard when and not be a slave? Like, well, <laughs> you're still going to have to eat poop. You're still going to have to... You're just going to have to Mike. pretend you like it now. You're just going to have to pretend yeah. like this is enjoyable now to you. Well, now, and you have to actually laugh. Yeah. You can't cry and then laugh. You have to real laugh. 
it's I so Ryan, you said this went even beyond your imagination. Yeah. And I don't know if uh I'm actually the sickest twisted fuck I know. Or I've just watched some gross movies, but I was surprised based on like Michael Haneke, who is one of the most disturbing directors who I watch and enjoy. He did funny games and what did we watch recently, Ryan, in the eighty five season? The piano teacher? The piano teacher was from the eighty nine season. And then eighty nine season. White Ribbon, Cachet. Uh, so I like grueling movies to get through, but very artistic. He said this is one of his favorite movies. He only watched it once. Cannot watch it again. And the, the Ebert thing, I went in already shoulders above my ears, like so afraid of what I'm watch. And I think so much of that, the reputation helps it because there's the tension always. Eating poop for sure got to me. Uh, Look, I, I, I'm I a simple was, man. I have I poop was, come out of my butt, not poop sure. going to my mouth. It's, but I thought Pasolini was very like, well, I don't want to actually traumatize my viewers. So much is off screen. Yeah. They start eating poop or they start raping. And then it's like, well, that's, there's a table in the way. We're not going to show it to you. And by the end of the, I mean, you do see tongues and eyes start to get cut. I, I do think, I don't know. Am I fucked up that I was just like, okay. I well, I think he learned a lot from this year's Jaws, you know, where it's a mm-hmm. show less. And that's the other thing he learned is that's why anytime anybody's about to eat shit, you can hear the Jaws theme. As they go towards the poop to bite it. Eat shit. <laughs> Other Eat um, shit. horrifying films that I've seen, there was more of an element of surprise. This mm. was predictable to me. One, because stories always happen that preceded what element of torture was going to happen. But two, you could kind of start to see what was going to come. And I think that right. not necessarily made it less gross, but it made you more prepared. So it seemed in turn mm-hmm. less horrifying. Or just like it, like it sort of lit the way for you. Yeah, your mind yeah. was already preparing for what was going to come. The 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 chapters are signposts. Mm-hmm. The circle of blood and the stories, like McKenna said. I know what I'm going to get here. Yeah, like it, it really does label it. And so, like, yeah, Mac, the the lack of surprise, but like, I'm now so worried. Not that I watched it, that I watched it and shrugged. Now that's what worries me about myself. Are you guys like, oh my god, I feel different? How could I have watched that? Are you now Count Dracula? Oh, yeah, are we now vampires? <laughs> I don't feel changed or, yeah, I don't feel like I'm looking at humanity differently, which I do think was supposed to be a goal of this movie. It has not changed my perspective of the world, but it also, mm-hmm. like, hasn't... I'm going to sleep fine tonight. I'm not going to, you know, have these major thoughts focusing I, I think on. that, for me, part of it is that I think it's... I think it's because it's all, it's in the Criterion Collection, for instance. And Number th- 17, way high up there. And I think it deserves to be. Um, I think that what he tried to get away with and then also claim it to be art and then for mm-hmm. people to also agree with him. Right. You know, I think it's fascinating to me. And it's not that it's necessarily the like grosser than anything I've ever seen or could ever think of. It's the fact that he was able to combine all this. He was able to do this in such a way where we're still doing shows. We're still doing podcasts about it You know, 45 years later. I think that's the interesting part. Is the fact that other people are like, yes, this is art, is the same way where somebody is like, oh, man, you got to like, I don't know who the hot artist today is. You got to like Fleet Foxes. You got to like Radiohead. You don't want to look stupid. So you go, yup. Is do you think that's why like so people many people are just pressured to agree with? <laughs> like, it yeah, this is it's, or... it's it's definitely artistic. Exactly. Yeah, unintentional. I don't think so. I mean, I will all say right now that I thought it was. 
I mean, Mike, if we had to, we're doing like 20 movies. By the end of the 1975 season, we will have done <laughs> 20 1975 movies. And if you had to rank it in your top 20, would it be at the bottom? Would it be number one? Would it be in the middle? Like, what do you do with a... Well, Criterion gave you number 17, so maybe it's there. But I actually think they ranked it too low. Is it rankings by their favorite movies? It is by they? <laughs> by John Criterion? Yes. It's all yeah. John Criterion's favorite movies. Uh, no, it, it would be much higher than the bottom. <laughs> bottom is where <laughs> There's poop a lot of bottom out. talk. Uh, yeah, I just... I thought that it was... As far as this goes, I thought it was great. Go, we can get to that later, I guess. Going back to the viewer thing, um, I think that there's so much there to sort of put us in that position that I didn't find crazy. I don't know. Like, I didn't find it too hammy. I didn't think he was putting too much of a thumb on it. But one part I want to talk about is the ending that Mac brought up, where it's just a. I don't even know what you want to call it. Like, all right, we have like an hour before summer camp is over. Let's get everything yeah. done. A montage of torture. <laughs> it's, it's a it's, torture montage. And basically, there's uh, one of the libertines are you know is up in the tower watching over everything uh, at the on the bottom in this in this field. And it actually isn't that many people when you look at it. Like, look at the whole wide thing. Not yeah. too many victims and victimizers, but um, the use of binoculars in two ways one to close in on stuff something that isn't done very often in this movie and then he turns the binoculars around and creates a wide shot and then turns them back around and does a close-up and mm. basically like he's making his own movie i thought that brought just that brought that's s- when the this is you yeah <laughs> this is not just that this is you but this is movie making this yeah. is this is how uh directors are when they're making movies is Get the fuck out Just there. Just ready to jerk off whatever grip is next to them. Basically, well, I mean, yeah, that's why they're called grips. Because you grip them. <laughs> but uh, just basically, I'm going to treat everyone as terrible as I want because mm-hmm. I'm the director. And uh, so get out there and have sex and kiss that guy. <laughs> that's I use that as an example of one of the worst things that could happen to you. <laughs> kiss that guy. But yeah, uh, we're all making our own movie. And mm-hmm. I think that's sort of what the ending showed me. Well, we're going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, oh, my notes say more sallow. <laughs> well, that is very, very funny, or very sad, and perhaps now you have something to think about, or very problematic, and perhaps we have something to think about. But in any event, I'm sure you have some reaction to what you're listening to, so why not check us out on the social media? You can go to Instagram or Twitter and find us at your pop filter. Email contacts at your pop filter. Hey, everybody. Keep watching them movies. Taste buds. What separates Sallow from Hostel or Saw? What does Pasolini bring to the film that bears more artistic consideration than Eli Roth and his ilk? I think that this, this movie has, un, that undeniably, even if you don't like this movie, if you think it's stupid, or you think that its messages are hamily done, I think this movie undeniably ha- is trying to say something. And that sort of that sounds like a hack way to be like that's art and that's not because mm-hmm. that's trying to say something and that isn't. But I think it's a good starting point for what is great and what is not. It's it's a good starting point. I, I will push back a little, especially like you know we're twenty years post nine, so that's on my mind. That's on everybody's mind right now. Uh, hostile came out in a time where many people were <laughs> sorry for the wordplay hostile to oh! any art derogatorily talking about america i think hostel came out in oh six oh between oh three and oh six uh 
and that movie is explicitly, and I want to say I, I like a lot of torture porn, actually. I do like the first Saw. Uh, I hate Hostel. Uh, but it is explicitly saying, look how fucking gross America actually is. And we are the cause of all these things. Uh, so See, I Host- think Ross is one of the only ones stuff. that I've ever watched, that I've ever liked. I, I guess I could watch it again. Well, I didn't like, uh, I liked the mind puzzles of Saw. Uh, in Hostel, it was just like, let's zoom in on this chick's eye while I rip it out. And I was like, uh, you could take a page out of Pasolini and do it for, at least from far away, Roth. <laughs> Matt Cat, how much experience with torture porn do you have? Not much. I tend to avoid the genre altogether. Um, there's not much appeal to, of it to me. And I think like underlying all of this torture porn was the knowledge that I had read up about the director himself. And I think mm. that tinged my view of the film. So, what what did you learn about him that that did that? Mainly just the fact that he calls the great love of his life a 15-year-old that he met while he was like in his late 50s, early 60s and like oh, had a no. relationship with for about 5 years. Um and then when he left him like intentionally cast him as like these horrible roles in his films. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so, I did the wrong kind of research. <laughs> when you said you're like, you know what? What I read about him uh tinged my I thought you're like, I he's a warm, cuddly guy. No, it, no, no, it, he's, uh, he's a pedophile. Yeah, he's a pedophile. He's closer so to the libertines. This yeah, it definitely changes your perspective of like what he was doing and how he was doing it because he himself is just just a pedophile. He's absolutely yeah. there. So uh, I mean the way that I would take it, uh assuming that McKenna's telling the truth, you know how women lie about these things, is that he was making this movie to show how bad he's not. You know, like... Mm, at least I'm not these worse. guys. Yeah, like, look at... This is what real pedophilia is. Because I'm in love. Which I think is something mm. that all pedos say. Is like, yeah, but this one's different. Yeah, and, and yeah, any sort of uh, abuser pedophile like yeah that 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 general gross ilk is i'm sure that the duke the magistrate actually no they do revel in it they're like look how evil we can be they thrive in the fact that no one else that they're torturing can reach their level of evil because they will go on and like regret you know and have their own morality and they can't even attain that they have no regret talking like like so much has been made obviously about like the content and the grossness and, and the, the torture poorness of it. But these four college freshmen who have taken philosophy 101 at trying to dick swing and outsmart each other, but like, but I am even more impure than you. And that makes me even better as a evil person. Did that get under your skin ever? Did was that like his point? Uh, that's, he- that's his point. That's anytime you put four dudes in a room together, you're going to get that. It sounded like a real podcast when the four of them were just talking. <laughs> it might not be to as disgusting and degrading as these four get, but uh, it is the a pissing contest. And like, you know, what we we might argue about how we're not evil, how you guys are more, you two are more evil than me, until mm-hmm. you know you get to their point, and then you're like, well, I'm the most evil. It's like it really was like four cartoon Saturday morning cartoon yeah. villains being in the same room. It the the film starts off with the four of them marrying each other's daughters, predicting porn one day of let's ch- exchange daughters, uh, marrying each other's daughters. And then what I did not realize until going back and and reading and watching some clips again, uh, not the gross ones, because uh, I was like, we never see them again. That's weird. That they are fully in the mix. Those girls that they married. Some of the the gal who eats the nail cake is one of their daughters. They've gotten to the point where. 
only the four of them matter. And the middle-aged prostitutes. Everybody else is fair game to fuck with. I didn't realize that actually at all. That they were just yeah. in the mix of slaves now. They were equivalent. They were they're literally the leader's daughters. They're just yeah. garbage. I mean, I'm not exactly sure when this particular episode is gonna come out. Episode of our lives, but uh we're recording it the night after uh Texas just made its abortion decision. Mm-hmm. And so for the four white men to be making all these decisions irregardless of who their daughter is like it makes the movie pack a little bit more of a punch and this is the stuff that i'm talking about of how i think it holds up even if it's Mm -hmm. shit-eating escapades are a little eye-rolly see again i i guess i didn't i didn't roll my eyes the most of that because i kind of expected that i rolled my eyes at how how snidely whiplashy they were all You, you got you got uh like gone to see Gerard Butler, you got googly eyes, you got weird Bill Hader, and you got mustache man. Yeah, and they all—I they, they, know exactly they what really, you're talking about with each of those <laughs> yes. descriptions. They really do. Uh, they are the archetypes of creepy guys, creepy old men. They, they, they hit all, and then the, the whole time they're like, "But I can be more creepy and evil than you." Oh no, no, no! I can yeah. say that because I'm Italian, guys. Don't fucking do that voice. You know, all four of them are like, uh, Joe, Joe, Joe Rogan doesn't have to do his own research, okay? He gets people <laughs> on his show. The, the googly-eyed guy, I, I uh, mean, cross. I don't know if being cross-eyed is, I'm sure, a terrible affliction. and I, It doesn't automatically make you evil, but this guy happened to be cross-eyed and happened to be really hard to watch. Is really that the hard. president? I, I, the only one I know, Duke is gone to see Gerard Butler. That's the only one I know who his title. Is that's the only one, one I remember. That, like pulled out the book all the time. Every time someone like. No, that's Weird Bill Hader. That's what. Weird. Uh, oh, who the the guy who fucking loves their rules. Yeah. Their love of rules actually is the one thing that made me look at my life. I like when games need rules to work, but how into their own <laughs> fucking laws and rules. I was like, oh no. And Mike, maybe don't bring that journal to parties anymore that you always bring. <laughs> Uh, uh, party rule number seven, guys, say you actually have to drink well, now. They're very intense about the rules, but they don't actually follow them. Yeah. No. So. Were you ever, f- not frustrated, but like, I thought like, and I think this is a modern movie would have them start turning on each other. Mm-hmm. Were, was it ever frustrating that that, that they weren't like, well, wait, the other only people with power are here. And if I want to be the most powerful, I should start fucking with them. But I don't think they're after power. They're after their own gratification, and they're still all getting that. Yeah, but I mean, they're the fact that they have power is is basically they're reminded of that constantly. You know, mm-hmm. the fact that they have these slaves that any time they have a thought, they can wink it out of themselves or have someone wink it out of them is just a constant reminder of how much power they have. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the frustrating thing too about it is the flatness of the arc you know like it's it's a very it's it's a very not real movie and i'm not talking about like su- for suicide squad not real like it's so bad it's awful but like there's no can, characters here movies can have four acts but they have to have ups and downs and like they yeah. have to have characters learn stuff or something like we we end this this does not end with like if the american style would end with all the kids finding guns or or die if if I the the ending of the two soldiers and I think one of them is an ex slave. The two soldiers waltzing that could work if there was up and downs throughout the film, but instead, even even if it ended on a crazy down note, 
at least it, I guess we it does because nobody learns anything. But yeah, it just feels like it starts in this mood. It ends in this mood. Like there, kept, there's, yeah, I kept looking for a reason. Like there was um the one girl with like curly dark hair. Mm-hmm. Like we kept toning in on her because she was not like following the rules and stuff. And I kept waiting for her to be like a symbol of something or like, or like create a shiv. Exactly. Right. Or there be that one. And I think the only moment we got was when the pianist commits suicide. Um, like, so 120 <laughs> days is half a year. So f- six, five and a half months in, she goes, wait, what are we doing? And <laughs> yeah. kills herself. Cause she did not care. Except the only other time it looked like the kids were supposed to be laughing and they're all crying. And she drops her accordion. Uh, mm-hmm. never drop an accordion. It's a very fragile instrument. And oh she runs God. over and does the worst summer camp sketch with the head prostitute uh, to try to make the kids laugh. Like, are we supposed to think, and were things cut, that she was trying to sort of protect them in her own way? No, and I mean, like, I don't, I'm not arguing that this is great character development, but uh, I, there are like probably five to ten cuts of her, somebody saying something, and it cuts to her like playing the piano going, what the fuck? <laughs> She's the only one who like stops and pauses because like the piano playing mm-hmm. does stop. Yeah, every time and that's it's classic happens. like pull the plug out of the jukebox, just right. like. <laughs> yeah, how did she scratch a record on that old school <laughs> piano? Uh, well, this is starting to get into our next topic, so we're going to take the quickest of breaks, and when we come back, more sallow. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening so far, and let me just tell you that everything ahead of this commercial is much better than what came before it. That's my guarantee. While I have you here, let me tell you about a website. It's called yourpopfilter.com. And it's everything you need that's related to pop filter. Everything Mike, everything Ryan, everything Greg, everything Cassie, everything is there at yourpopfilter.com. While you're there, go to yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon. Make that your new Amazon bookmark and do your shopping from there. That way, we get a little piece of the action, and Amazon doesn't. Make sure you're also listening to everything that Pop Filter has to offer, which includes the Superhero Show Show, a podcast that covers every single TV show that's based on a comic book or comic book property, and Movie of the Year, where we sit down and try and figure out what is the single greatest movie of any given year. That's Superhero Show Show. That's Movie of the Year. And that's yourpopfilter.com. Rate, subscribe, review, bye! Taste buds! Most of the movie takes place in a giant room where the entire cast listens to women tell stories, which then inspire the four libertines to new, worse tortures. Why do you think that this not only takes up so much screen time, but is almost the beating heart of the movie? I mean, I think that, honestly, this goes back to the movie making of the movie. That... Stories are stories beget stories beget stories. Stories get us to create, even if that creation is terrible. Stories are mm-hmm. all good. We, I think that stories get most people are like stories. Cool, I like stories. Yeah, just suck the dick of big story. Yeah, they just, <laughs> big story is putting money in all of our pocket to walk around town and say that they're great. But sometimes stories are bad, guys. I also think it's kind of like commenting, like there's always that concept of evil breeds evil. You know, you introduce mm-hmm. evil to someone and it's going to spread. And with the pro- head prostitute, it did. But you see the direct opposite with all the kids that are being tortured. They're having the same infliction upon them that she had on her. She embraced it. They're loathing. So why can't yeah. you? She thought it was delightful. But if they learned the lesson she did, they would end up killing all the adults. 
mm-hmm. dude. And these the stories that these women of the night tell, like we're not only are they gross, but like at least the teenagers in the house are teenagers. Like they're like, I was seven, and then right. tell some of the fucking crazy stories I've ever heard. And but also like the minute they start talking, that the chapters help with this too. You go like, oh, is it gonna go with a guy made you eat poop? Yep. <laughs> like it's. The the, the 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 googly eyes and i'm sorry to any other googly eyed listeners and let please email and let me know what i should actually say uh but googly eyes stops her i know like, it's not that i know but <laughs> i know it's not that he's like hey i don't know how big his dick is how tight your sphincter was i don't know any of the details and she's like oh you're right i should become a better storyteller and then none of them become better storytellers there's actually no good details all all these like this is my problem with like stand-up comedy in movies that people are supposed to be funny. None of these women can tell fucking good stories. They, again, no arcs here. It's like, I say my first sentence, I'm like, I bet it ends like this, and it does. And then the guys, these stupid fucking powerful men who think they know everything are like, hey, I have a new idea that I just thought of based definitely not on that prostitute story. Let's just do the thing she just said happened to her. I just, uh, but Speak on that. <laughs> I just watched the movie Funny People. Uh, first time since it came out and I could not believe how bad it was uh, in the beginning of the movie when everybody's bad at stand-up they do a really good job about that but at the end yeah. when everybody's good at stand-up it's fucking still terrible Why? how yeah. can people write stand-up and write movies but they can't put stand-up in movies Be- it's because to get good at stand-up you have to do it for a few those jokes for a few years to make them good so I just don't type them in right that. now Michael Haneke's funny people is that anything? <laughs> I love it but I want him to remake his German version from 10 years yes. before that. Who, Mac, who do you think the movie, with, with this storytelling-based thing, that the, 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 the women are always kind of the impetus to the next new wave of tortures for the kids, is who do you think the movie is saying is the most evil here? And I haven't even considered this. I just walked away like, oh, all of them are gross. I still think... I still think it's the four men mm-hmm. are the most evil. And that is only with the knowledge that these women had disgusting things done to them as a child, and that's going to warp anyone's. By by these men. Maybe not these four specific men. Right. But, but by men, men in general. Yeah, they're yeah. the byproduct of just sick men in their lives and doesn't excuse any of their actions, but at least you can kind of make sense of it, whereas these men, men, these men just chose to. And that's another thing that I thought was super interesting about the movie is that most movies about power and male power and all all of the stuff that this movie was tackling, they speak about literal jism in figurative terms. Uh-huh. And this movie really does, really is like these people, because they're libertines, you know, like we're going to literalize the fact that it's just coming and they just want to and they can and they get to and they're going to put themselves in every, any situation to do it whenever they want you know, and everything leads to that again. And it's not, not wrong. Like it's, it is sort of like whether the coming equals power, or the power equals coming. This is sort of how it works. And mm-hmm. for the ladies to be put in this position, I don't know. I don't blame the ladies because like we were talking about with the guards, the Stanford experiment, the ladies have to stay alive and they are awful, but, but they, yeah, they revel in it. Contributing. If, it kind of reminded me of like to put it in a real world perspective. I got like Alice and Mac Nexium vibes. 
from this. Okay. Like they're grooming, they're contributing, they're still they're not innocent parties in this. Yeah, they are also very snidely whiplash cackling at what's about to happen. And think it's and like like you said, Mac, like they did get things done to them, but it's like that doesn't excuse anything. That doesn't mean you get to laugh and help uh, it happen to other people just because you were victimized. It's it's and then the, the guards too. The, the and this is I did not get this from my viewing, but the guards were also kids. But these were all kids who were chosen because they had huge dicks. So you get a big enough dick, now you get a gun. You're on our team, and which then you become cruel. I like. I just think that's so. That's so Hollywood. Like, you know, I think that it would be it would be one step to compare this to like do a movie about the porn industry and compare it to mm-hmm. how Hollywood works. And this is ten steps even further than that. Of fascists after World War II create this sort of hell for actors, people to be children to be in. Uh, so you're saying that the handsomer actors are part of the problem and and with the bigger dicks but yeah mm-hmm. i no not i mean but yeah like you're we're, you're gonna come here and you're gonna be put into this machine that we're just constantly churning out this stuff so is it way more tackling filmmaking in hollywood than just people as a whole i mean i that, that is that's hard to say i don't i think that i can make the argument mm-hmm. and that's definitely what i got out of it but I think that the it's just easier to just say it's people as a whole, which is there's got to be a better way, better way to put that about this movie. But people as a whole, and then where you go from there, it's just the guy's a filmmaker, right? You know, I, that's I, the, I, that's the one thing that we know about every filmmaker is that they're a filmmaker, and that's why movies pop up exist. in movies. I think that could uh, be like a statement of art, not just Hollywood, though, because before filmmaking, you had painting, you had all sorts of, mm-hmm. you know. And that it's all this gratification of beauty or this, you know, trying to warp things that are beautiful or hold on to things or force. Art obsessed things. with art and what yeah. it does. Yeah. So I think it could be a commentary. I don't know if it's necessarily intentional or just underlying. I mean, yeah. the other thing that we're missing too, or that we have to include in this thesis that the three of us are working on, is that the, the four dudes were not training these 18 kids to then go out to society. You know, right. like this isn't like, oh, you you have to be broken down, but then you can be built up again. This is they are literally strictly for their own gratification. Mm-hmm. That's fucking crazy. I'm not sure where that lands on the whole art argument. Just that people who create art, they are just jerking themselves off, basically. <laughs> for their own consumption, I, essentially. Like they're just making things for their own soul pleasure, but not to Right. Yeah go out in the world and affect anything. And it, is is that not Pasolini? Like, is that not? Is that can you see Pasolini? I mean is is he just doing this for his own gratification? Especially considering how many countries were like, well, you're not fucking showing this movie anywhere. So he's like, I'm going to make it anyway. Did I tell you the one thing that I read about him? The about the director no. uh before we uh started the show um when he was murdered, he was murdered and the defense said the defense played part of Solo in the courtroom and said anybody who would make this movie is begging to be murdered. <laughs> they straight up <laughs> said that to the jury. Fucked up. Just just so all of our listeners get a uh, picture of what Solo is like. <laughs> They're like, we don't need a defense. We're just going to play one of his most recent films and uh, it'll speak for itself. 
So uh, I think the most hard-hitting question is, is this fascism bad, yes, no? I think fascism is bad. I'm kind of getting that. I'm not sure if I've understood the full Oh, my God, McKenna, it's been taking, it's taken us so long to get you to say that. (laughs) Yeah, it's this, we did this to finally make you say Uh, This is my intervention? You said some weird things in the (laughs) past. Uh, I actually think it's, it's not about the political movement of fascism that much, other than that we are all, it's in all of us to become this warped and gross. It's the the, the very hackneyed absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I think it's the very hackneyed who are you in this movie and you're everyone. Yeah. Were you going to say, Mac? Oh, I was just going to say, I absolutely agree because halfway through the film, you forget that it's entirely a commentary. They kind of go into philosophy occasionally, but you forget that fascism is an underlying commentary right. happening. And it's just this corruption and evilness of man. When they have people at their disposal, they're going to treat them like shit. If they were going to remake this today, <laughs> who should direct it and who would the four libertines be? Oh, man. So the three of us and... Ryan Reynolds. I'm thinking it's Ryan Reynolds, The Rock, Kevin Gal Gadot? Hart. It's, it's in Gal Gadot. Uh, it's Red Notice, d- Jumanji. Director is Adam McKay. Because <laughs> he's got that satirical tongue. That biting satirical tongue. I do want to let you guys know that uh, throughout the 75 season, I've been getting back into Blu-ray and specifically Criterion. Like I bought Barry Lyndon and Shampoo and... Uh, you love bragging about your mirror on Criterion just because watching the special features are awesome before you do a show. I did mm-hmm. not buy a solo on the Criterion version. Of- well, I can't imagine Christmas is coming up. owning that movie, having it on your shelf. Just like, oh, let's pop in solo. The making of the bathtub poop. You don't want to watch that featurette? <laughs> How do they do it? Uh, it's, it's, it's chocolate, poop. orange marmalade, and some other things. Wait, did you actually look it up? No, yeah, no, I had to. I had to, I had to know in my mind the whole time when those scenes were happening. I was like, you know, it's some form of chocolate. You know it. Like that's just the mantra I had hey, to repeat. John Waters made divine eat poop. Can I say something to all of society? Uh, and uh, remember, I'm the creator of pineapple is gross on pizza. Uh, uh, one of my thoughts that absolutely took off became a trend. Now everybody's saying it. Um, stop mixing citrus and chocolate, please. This this whole orange <laughs> chocolate thing, absolutely disgusting. Not new. One of the oldest things, and you're pretty definitely wrong. like Those an English European slices. thing. But I'll agree with you; it's actually disgusting. So, well, European English people get oranges for Christmas and mm-hmm. wear paper crowns. So let's yeah. not trust they, them about they, Christmas. They, they don't fucking do Christmas right. Get your crackers. There, Santa here. goes up the chimney. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a break, and when we come back. It's award season. Hola, Felterinos. I just wanted to interrupt real briefly and say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you want to support us a little more directly, you can go to patreon.com slash yourpopfilter. There, depending on what tier you pick, $1 a month, $5 a month. If you're crazy, anything more than $5 a month, don't do that. You can get extra content. There's extra shows, extra series, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, You could pay for ryan to draw you a picture uh, i can write you a poem you can get the shirts off our very own backs all of that and so much more over at patreon.com slash your pop filter while you're on the internet you should check out shady monk he does all the tunes you've been listening to he's on Bandcamp. he's on spotify uh, soundcloud wherever kids get their music these days that i'm too old to know shady monk lives there uh, you can probably follow him on twitter and instagram as well that's shady monk wherever you get music Check them out. Taste buds, I don't know if you can believe this, 
But Sallow did not win any Academy Awards that year. Astonishing. I I can't it, imagine, you know. Not even special effects. A lot of this stuff looked real. Best poop? Best poop? But again, none of it actually was real. Fucking watch it, you little babies. I do think that this is why, like, I, I, I do squirm at faces of death and I've had to turn it off when I've walked into people's houses because that is real. Cannibal Holocaust, real fucked up shit actually happened. It's just a gross movie by a pedophile, I guess. So that doesn't make me great watching it. Thanks, Mac. Sorry. <laughs> I thought you both would have definitely seen that and looked that up. I looked up a lot of things and did not find that. All right. So we are going to give it awards because it does deserve awards. Starting with, I, I actually think the hardest award to give this specific movie is biggest cringe mckenna what do you got i so this is a struggle but i kind of went with one that i think was supposed to be cringier and it didn't it was a delayed cringe for me and then it made it cringier but there's a moment where i think it's helene the one of the prostitutes is talking she's telling her story but she cannot stop laughing throughout her recounting of her you know early prostitute days and Mm -hmm. uh just that like like force but also natural laughter in that moment was a very cringe for me all right ryan uh one of the scenes that we did not get to is they decide as a fun game they're gonna uh, try and figure out who has the best butthole (laughs) and so they make is that funny to you mike Oh, you, fuck, you fucking think what happened is funny? <laughs> the way you said they make they make these underage children, okay, bury their face in the ground. Oh, you are still laughing and show <laughs> their butthole. They, hey, they don't want to be. They don't want to do favoritism. They don't want to see their faces. The lights are dark, so they don't know if it's a boy or a girl. They also, yeah, they say the lights are down. Um, we we don't want to see if it's a boy or a girl, so we can't see the faces. But you know what? You can see. I'm assuming all the dudes are pulling up their fruit bowls. Okay, they better be. Because otherwise, there's... Otherwise, this is not fair. It's hard to be in that position and not just have your nuts swinging in the wind like a goddamn inflatable thing in the front of a used car lot. <laughs> a wavy, wacky tube man? Uh, I have very light nuts. They're big. <laughs> Obviously, they're very big, but they're light. They're like balsa wood. And they float. Yeah. Anyway... What the fuck was I saying? Oh, uh, so they're walking around. <laughs> this bo- moment turned into just a whole little tangent about Ryan's nuts. Thank you. <laughs> they're walking around uh, with flashlights, looking at all these buttholes. <laughs> Sorry. Or as I call it, the Republican Party. Yeah. I'm trying to be topical the, with humor. better. Um, and they start arguing about who has the better. Just the four dudes, they stop looking at the buttholes. That's the whole reason for being there and being like, well, I have better, uh, I have a better nose for who has a better butthole. Mm-hmm. And then one guy's like, fine, I'll give it up to you. Uh, I think it's, as Mike called him, and definitely not me, the googly-eyed man, says, uh, fine, you guys can win, but the one that I said has the best butthole, I want you to save them for me for later. It's just, boys will be oh. boys. Dudes can't stop being fucking dudes and having piss- pissing contests, even in moments like this. So so much of it is is I think mental fucking with these kids. Obviously, there's a lot of like pain and, and sexual torture, but it is well they constantly say I need to deflower them, and we don't see it, which is good. But it's I think so much of it is that now that's haunting whoever the that individual was. They were like, well, that one's mine. And same with the the the, the kid who won. 
they're like, well, you're going to die. And he's like, right now? And they're like, <laughs> they did like a fake Russian roulette gun to his head. They're like, just fucking with you. You're going to die someday because you have the best butt, but not today. And so now it just sits with him. But he's he's freaking out because these four psychopaths have a gun to his head. And they're like, yeah. you little bitch, you thought we were going to kill you. Yes, yes, I did. Because look <laughs> at all of the oh, other oh, stuff. I guess I'm the asshole. I guess I'm the best asshole in this place because I thought you were going to kill me. Hello. Uh, my mine is it, it's the one time that I had to like turn away for a while. It was the uh, the first time I think it's the first poop we see. It looks bloody. It's a, a log in a bowl. Oh yeah. And it, and I was just like, <laughs> and then uh, connected to that scene is when uh, one of the kids who gets forced married is that they're not allowed to wipe their mouths, and so the guy he's married, they both have shit all over their faces, and then he gets forced to make out with the old guy. And I was just like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that, I'm gonna say that made me cringe. <laughs> really big cringe best pound for pound performance Ryan I have to I have to give it I, there was a lot of it's an ensemble piece right we can all admit yes. that it's hard to pick out somebody but uh, I have to give it to um, the person whose eyes were not as normal as <laughs> one would expect on your average human being uh, his fucking smile and goddamn depraved horniness uh, just mm-hmm. sprinting out of the room like his jism is diarrhea and he has to find a toilet. Uh, absolutely crazy. Just he his face. He, he gets also this is a movie with like we talked about very few close ups. He gets most of them just yes. on that on that mug and that more than the shit eating more than the nail cake more than the eyeball knife. Uh, his face is what is burned into my memory. McKenna. All right. I I absolutely have to agree with Orion. His face is, it will be scarred in me forever in his expressions. Um, I am going to go with, I think her name's Helene. Helene. Yeah. Yeah. The prostitute, her absolutely. Helene Sugar? I don't know how to say that. I have no idea. Sagara? Sagara. She like had pauses, just. I think it was it was strong in um, the casualty of tone too, as she was telling mm-hmm. these to- stories. Um, just yeah, pacing, delivery, bad storytelling, but good delivery of a bad story. So, but it she yeah she plays uh, Senora Vachari, uh, and she I think she knows her audience. Yes, with the pausing, with the bad like she she's not actually trying to be a good storyteller. My, this is mine as well. Is she? So many of their performances are broad and big and hammy and campy and hers never took me out the way the four libertines sometimes they were all like and now i'm a big monster evil man i'm like all right bros uh and hers anytime she got big i was like this tracks she never lost me when she got big it it all felt natural she could be in any setting too and i feel like certain people thrived in certain settings or certain scenes Mm -hmm. a little bit more but you put her in the dining room scenes, in the main hall scenes, in her bedroom getting ready, and she was in her element on all of those. She felt vaudevillian, whether yeah. she was owning the main hall or whether she and the piano player were doing their little who's on first shit or her getting ready in the big, like, she felt big and vaudevillian. The thing that she reminded me of, and I think that this is on purpose, is it's a movie trope and probably best done by Bernadette Peters in Blazing Saddles, but like throughout all classic Westerns is that the madam who gets on mm-hmm. stage and performs the stage show at the, in the Western saloon, almost like she's right. the Chuck E. Cheese 
and the animatronics <laughs> of the pizza and entertainment arcade. Um, but yeah, that was very. It's like she, she was like, I, I, I know what's going on here, but the show must go on. And she was mm-hmm. more of a show person than she was a fascist torturer, which she technically is. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Final. But award. I do have to give uh, special credit to first of all the Duke because that is what his name oh, was and that is Jay. what he did. And then also uh, 18 kids, one of them was an animated cat. And I thought that that would take me out of it, but <laughs> it didn't. I, I thought that that animated cat that wrapped fit right into the entire movie. If uh, if we're doing the, 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 the honorable mentions, I thought the mustachioed guard, the the boy who just learned he could grow a mustache, uh, <laughs> he was the guard standout of evil and like really felt like he's the kind of dude who was like, I'm in this situation, I'm going to be the best fucking kid I can be in this situation. Oh, I'm going to be the next libertine. And like he, his eyes sold it. Mike, he's Italian. How old do you have to be to grow a mustache? Seven? Yeah. Final award, director's signature moment, Mac. So I've, this is the only film by this director that I've seen, but I have to assume this is something he does in a lot because it seemed very intentional. And that's his intentional slowness. Um, mm-hmm. that we would stay in a scene after everyone had emptied out or we would stay kind of behind some like weird Catholic statues in a room and watch two people like go into the bathroom area and stay kind of hidden from view before joining them. There was an intentional delay. It wasn't quick cuts to next scenes or next rooms. Mm-hmm. It was a slowness. And I think it felt very intentional of like kind of building the anticipation of what was going to happen next um, or yeah. letting you reflect on what had just occurred before you could escape it. You couldn't get away from moments very quickly. You had to linger in them. You know what? I had like three and I wasn't really sure, but I realized that they all have to do with what McKenna said. Like basically mm-hmm. what happens to us is we get put in there as someone who sort of snuck in and we peek right. around corners and we're moving around the house. And he does that thing where instead of the camera moving in like a you know new age sort of modern way where we know the camera's moving because Michael Bay sees Megan Fox's ass, the camera moves and we don't notice it. We don't even notice that we're like being dollied closer to this shit or that we're just going to stand here, like Max said, behind the statue and sort of peek around. Um, but his restraint really his his uh, 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 of of all of the disgusting things that we see to to use that word restraint seems crazy but i right. i don't think that we saw that in the late 90s early 2000s with the torture porn you know wave uh the restraint is is really admirable in this movie that mm. seemingly shows no restraint at all yeah yeah mine is also connected to that then i uh, is that for so much of the movie, like we've been talking about, is all the foulest acts are hidden. and But then it's at the end. So I was like, all right, so a knife towards a tongue. I'm not going to see, oh my God, I did just see that tongue ripped out. So by the time you're seeing everything, it's really shocking because this an hour and a half of this movie has taught you, you're, you're, you're only going to have to imagine what's happening. Uh, and it's and so through the, binoculars. Like he makes right. sure he does that effect where you know you just see the, the binocular circles on the screen mm-hmm. because we feel removed because we're watching this on a screen and so does the person watching it in the right. movie because they have the binoculars in between them. It's all, you know, like we don't see the grossest shit. Like the, the stuff with the tongue and the stuff with the eye is really not the rest of the movie. The rest of the movie yeah. is pretty downplayed compared to that. 
All right, final thing, recommendations. Oh, shit. What should somebody watch? I can go first if you yeah, both you need a minute to think. Uh, I think if you want to see a movie that's about how rich people suck, uh, that I will say I think is better, uh, is a better film, is uh, The Exterminating Angel by Louis Buñuel. And it's uh, all these rich people have a party and then find out they cannot leave the house. And so they slowly fall into madness and chaos and violence. Uh, it's not there right away. And it reminded me of that in that way because so much of this is in that one room in the mansion. Uh, but yeah, go check out The Exterminating Angel. Not a gross movie. <laughs> Ryan, what do you got? Uh, I was going to say The Exterminating Did anybody do The Exterminating Angel yet? It's the first I've heard of this. Okay. Um, oh, man, doing a Buñuel movie is a good idea because there's other ones that are less plot, like less on the nose, but mm-hmm. more gross, you know? Yours has the same ideas, but less of the grossness. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Eraserhead because I think Eraserhead gives you that cult credibility that I saw a weird movie, but I think it's imminently more watchable and imminently better with basically the same things, which is just the man's going to keep you down at every... (laughs) Also, my favorite theme, which is Tiny Hand Mike going... (laughs) (laughs) Fucking creepy. Um, McKenna. All right. But it, it, it's more fun, I would say. Yeah. I am going to go a little off course from this, but if you want to watch a movie, um, very much the opposite, but uh, similar themes, uh, kind of touching on um, rape, pedophilia, predators, but in the opposite way in which the um, person gets their, gets what's coming to them, I would say uh, Hard Candy. The oh, film yeah. would be a good venture into that uh but a little more satisfying at the end you know what you're supposed to take away yeah i so do i think that's a good choice is what a fun movie night i'm gonna program for <laughs> unexpecting friends <laughs> i do think that uh a good palate cleanser after solo is not necessarily you know how to train your dragon too but some comeuppance i think that's yes. a good call is to like uh okay i watched solo good i did it <laughs> look at me Ma- but now it would like some uh, victimizer to get yeah. victimized. Right. Maybe Last House on the Left. The, okay, the beginning is gonna fuck you up, and it's gonna be more brutality. But then the rest of the movie, it's more brutality, but it's brutality you can cheer for. Yeah, you're rooting for the violence, and you're getting your rage satisfied. Like at Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? Also, go I there. You know what? That's my <laughs> go to Medieval <laughs> Times. Choose the Green Knight. Red That's Knight. Your boy. Red Knight. Mm-mm, not in this house. All right, that that is that is the show. McKenna, got any plugs? Yeah, if you want a whole lot less torture, violence, gruesomeness, but still every bit as uh, unexpected, I Not guess. Not true, I've should. listened. Not true. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a lot of poop. Actually, if you're into yeah, the poop Yeah, it's at least stuff, it's focused. The poop can be satisfied if you go over and check out Unnatural 20s. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the places you can watch them. Right, that is our new sticker, everything. <laughs> T-shirt, the poop can be satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Ryan, is this our last bonus show unless we decide to do more bonus shows? This is it as of this recording. And again, I'm a little confused as to when things come out. Um, Mike, we have to do Three Days of the Condor. We have to do Rocky Horror. And then we are done with all 20 1975 movies. And we are ready to choose a winner. I'm not. 
That, I'm not ready to choose a winner. I'm definitely not either, but uh, the main thing I'm worried about is the the Mooties, which is the award that we give. Um, yes. 20 movies are eligible to be nominated. We have we. It's usually eight. We have never right. done something like this before. Who, who do you think is going to win for best ficophilia? Uh I would say Rollerball. Yeah. That movie loved shit. I would say the movie that I filmed while I was watching Rollerball. Because while I was watching Rollerball, I could just not stop eating my own shit all right that is the show thank you both thank you listeners for listening until then keep watching those movies